by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is The Good News Show. And good afternoon and welcome to The Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network here in North Texas. And happy All Saints Day and happy November, November 1st. Hard to believe uh, this, this time just goes by so, so very fast. And uh, glad you're with us. This is officially a day off for us, but uh, I did not want to miss this opportunity, especially when you hear the guests that we're going to have on the program today. Uh, cannot sit home for this one. So uh, in just a moment, uh, very uh, delighted and honored that we have in studio uh, Auxiliary Bishop Greg Kelly of the Diocese of Dallas. And uh, he is going to be speaking to us about what we're celebrating today. Of course, the Solemnity of All Saints Day, tomorrow All Souls Day, yesterday All Hallows' Eve, uh, how it all kind of ties together. Unfortunately, in the culture, I think uh, All Hallows' Eve gets most of the attention, but it's certainly the least important of the three, without a doubt. And so uh, we'll be speaking to him in just a moment. I do want to thank uh, Director of Media Relations Annette Gonzalez Taylor for lining this up and really helping me uh, uh, helping arrange this interview. And today is her birthday, and so happy birthday to Annette Gonzalez Taylor. I'm sure she's listening right now. So thank you very much. And so that's coming up. Second half of the program, something that I get excited about, just the very thought of this event coming around the corner means that uh, Advent is close, and uh, as is Christmas and Thanksgiving, just the best time of the year. And it is the CPL, the, the, the Catholic Pro-Life Community Christ Child Gift Market and Luncheon, which is Saturday, November 20th at the Renaissance Dallas Addison uh, Hotel. And it's a gift market and luncheon, and uh, we have three people coming in to talk about this. Uh, Geraldine Kaminsky, Executive Director of the CPLC, will be here in person, as will Meg Finley, Development Director. And Father Ross Mower uh, is going to be speaking at the luncheon. He's going to be doing a little reflection on Advent, and all three of them will be joining us here in about 30 minutes for that. So, uh, pack show. We're glad you're listening. And again, happy All Saints Day to you. Real quickly, I want to thank Diane Xavier for being here. She's taking a little time out of her day off uh, to be here. So, uh, happy All Saints Day, Diane. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Happy... All Saints Day to you, too, and um, Auxiliary Bishop Greg Kelly, thanks for joining us in studio today. It's awesome to be at work during All Saints Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is kind of nice. When you got a show like this, it's nice. Uh, so thanks for coming in. Real quickly, Diane, I want to ask you, because it ties in so well to what we are commemorating today, and especially tomorrow, this movie Purgatory that we were last Monday giving tickets away to. I didn't get a chance to see it. My mom went, and I know you went last Thursday over at North Park Mall, and so since it ties in so much to uh, these beautiful solemnities this week, what did you think of the movie, and uh, would you recommend it to people? You know, my personal opinion, it was interesting and a mystery because... You know, don't just assume just because you live a somewhat perfect life on earth that you're headed to wherever you are and don't judge a soul. 
Yeah. So because God, I believe that was the, you know, after seeing that movie, it ended up with a question mark like, where is your soul headed? Because God is the one, you know, that determines, because we are spirit and soul. Yeah. So that's what I came out with the movie. and But I thought it was beautifully done and it depicted real footage of, I mean, not that, you know, we call it the fake news. No, no, that's not what this is about. But this was a guy, the the man behind the movie was from Warsaw, Poland, where St. John Paul II mm-hmm. was born yeah. and raised. And it was just interesting in the movie to hear from cultures and countries I wasn't even aware existed yeah. in the world. And I hope, I'm sure they did talk about the... Uh, importance of praying for people who have died. Yeah, because I think so, so often uh, you just think uh, people are dying, they're all automatically going to shoot to heaven, but uh, the, the necessity of prayers, which has a lot to do with what we're going to be doing tomorrow at All Souls Day as well. So, yeah, yeah I want to see it, and I don't honestly know if it's still in theaters or if it's going to be, I'm sure it's still available somehow, some way, but uh, definitely check out the movie Purgatory. Uh, I have not had a chance to talk to my mom specifically about it, but she went last Thursday as well out in Plano and uh, from what she has indicated to me in texts uh, she liked it a lot so it'd be a great great thing to see and I, hope, I saw I hope some of our uh, volunteer like Margie John Julia was there so yeah. and she had her family I think her I'm not sure who it was but she had her family or friends with her and they were younger people they were questioning her she's like no you got it this should be in all churches this movie should be you know seen in all churches yeah alright well thanks for that information Let's uh, talk about these special days that we're celebrating, especially today and tomorrow, All Saints Day and All Souls Day. In studios, I mentioned, Auxiliary Bishop Greg Kelly. Uh, Bishop Kelly, thank you for being here. Good to see you. You're welcome, David. Very good to be here. Yeah, and happy All Saints Day to you. Um, Let's uh, talk, let me kind of take it sequentially, if I may. Yesterday, All Hallows' Eve, Halloween, it seems to be getting bigger and bigger in our culture, all the costumes and the money that's spent and the candy. And I, you know, I was out last night giving candy to to the kids, and we had a little fire pit, and I carved the pumpkin, so I, I enjoy all the festivities. I think it unfortunately gets more attention than today and tomorrow but uh, what what are your general thoughts about all hallows eve and uh, maybe how did you celebrate it growing up and how what do you do to the, these days well dave i think um and it's all about the candy and uh, <laughs> you know growing up it was just all about the candy getting yeah. as much as you could you know get a uh, an outfit or some kind of a costume on and going around the neighborhood and i know um you know that, that sometimes it gets there's a little controversy around it it seems like more the, the bigger issue now is just trying to make sure that it can be done in a safe manner where, mm-hmm. where, where you know, young people are not put at risk. I know some places uh, substitute kind of an All Saints uh, procession or some you know, costume, and I, which I think is a wonderful way of teaching about the, the saints you know, and, and you know, causing the, the child or the young person to, to know something about the, the saint and to know something about their life, their virtues, and, and uh, you know, to come to recognize them as a you know, kind of a brother, a big brother or sister in faith yeah. you know, that helps them along the way. We have a next-door neighbor who uh, has the the skeletons and the ones, if you see them, that they're kind of like coming out of the ground and it's all kind of creepy looking. But in a sense, I think that we may be reminded of our death. You know, as people walk by, if nothing else, you're going you're gonna to see that kind of some of that creepy stuff and be reminded of your own mortality. And so I don't know the history of All Hallows' Eve and how it tied into All Saints' Day, but uh, again, it's, it's huge. 
uh, in the culture, and th- thanks for that uh, information. Let's talk about today, All Saints Day. Uh, this is uh, sometimes has been a, a day of obligation. My understanding is that this year it isn't. Can you clear that up? Well, what, what is uh, everybody's obligation? Uh, of course, we have the dispensation yeah, to the talk dispensation about as well. So generally speaking, it, it sometimes is an obligation and sometimes not. Is that true? I think, and there's certain of the holy days of obligation. All Saints is one of them. I think the assumption is another, and maybe one other, where if it comes on a Monday or a Saturday, the obligation is removed. It's still a solemnity. It's still an important feast day. But I think because of the proximity to the weekend, you know, and the uh, shortage of priests, it was just made to be to be optional. Mm-hmm. You know, not not to have the obligation attached. I mean, I got to start the the celebration of All Saints Day with celebrating the nine o'clock mass at All Saints, which <laughs> is my first parish. Yeah. You know, they were inviting. Uh, uh, pastors and previous pastors and parochial vicars to come back and celebrate uh, some of the masses. So I was very happy to see a lot of familiar faces there. And I was thinking about for the homily, you know, Pope Francis has a line in the Joy of the Gospel about the, uh, you know, our, our hearts should be full of names and faces. And I just began to think of some of the names and faces of people that had uh, had passed away, including the founding pastor, Monsignor Raphael Camel. Um, that, uh, you know, so much a found part of the foundation of that, of that community, you know, through their, their faith, through their self-sacrifice, laid the foundation for that. And, you know, there's such a tendency now in our culture to kind of canonize the person once they die and have a celebration of their life and, you know, they, they shoot straight to heaven. Um, you know, we don't know anything about that, but I think all saints can remind us also of the, of the people we know personally of the reality of their faith. I mean, those were real. They had a real effect in the world and in my life. Um, I made a list of people I knew from All Saints, but I could make a list also from St. Gabriel's, from the University of Dallas, you know, over several generations of my own family, you know, here in the Diocese of Dallas, whose whose faith and love and hope had a real effect. And that, um, you know, we don't know whether they are in heaven or in purgatory, but to, to celebrate that and to note it and to know that, you know, among the vast crowd you know, around the around the throne of the Lamb that uh, the Revelation speaks of are people we know personally, faces and names and voices and, and memories that have a deep and lasting effect on us. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's the distinction also between canonized saints, which uh, I, I think I heard recently there might be about 10,000 of those that have actually been canonized. But those aren't the only saints, you know, our grandma and our grandpa or somebody who actually has uh, gotten into heaven would be a saint as well. So sure. how, how would you, and sometimes people say, well, you know, he, he's a he's a walking saint. You know, we've got a saint here on earth. So how would you define saints? Or do saints have to be dead? <laughs> to, well, I mean, Paul, I think the one point refers to some of the people he writes his letters to as the saints, mm-hmm. you know, that they are the holy ones of God. And it, it bears uh, witness to the reality of the effect of baptism and confirmation in our hearts that uh, the Holy Spirit really does dwell there. And guides us, and that's a reality. And so uh, we're not uh, at the end of our journey yet. We still have a long and you know kind of a, a perilous and dangerous journey to make. But uh, the the reality of the Holy Spirit, and it really is the Holy Spirit that binds together the the church on earth, but also the church in purgatory, the church triumphant, and it's all it's all bound together in the Holy Spirit, which is more powerful than death. Yes, and it's also nice the 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 process of canonization. It's always very exciting. Of 
recently, in the the, the, the last, uh, gosh, five or ten years, I guess, we've seen the canonization of uh, John Paul II and Mother Teresa. And, uh, you know, you've, you've got the, the controversy with uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, and that kind of seemed mm-hmm. to be going forward and uh, then got postponed. Um, are, are the, the, the process itself, can you explain that a little bit about uh, how one becomes canonized and maybe the they sometimes say it kind of has to be a, a local cult that, that kind of begins the process and the, um, you know, what, what is the process for one becoming a saint? You know, I'd have to go back and look it up in detail, Dave, just because, uh, you know, sometimes it seems almost like a court case where you gather all the evidence of their sanctity and somebody's assigned to, you know, to poke holes in it, to be kind of a devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bishop Burns and I went up four years ago, I think in April, not too long after he was installed as Bishop of Dallas to the beatification of Stanley Rother, who was a priest of the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, who worked for 13 years down in Guatemala at a mission that the Archdiocese had there and was shot and killed in July of 1981, just, you know, caught up in the violence that was there at the time. Um, in fact, he came through Holy Trinity Seminary and stayed briefly on his way back on one of his trips back when he had to flee. But, I mean, I think it starts, you know, with just the people who, who knew him and, you know, were aware of his, of his generosity, his simplicity, his self-sacrifice. I mean, the, there's a book written about him, um, you know, and the title is The Shepherd Can't Run From the Sheep. You know, the shepherd has to. And so he went, he went back down the thing, I have to stay with the people, you know, whose lives are also threatened. And his life was threatened, and ultimately he was killed. You know, I visited there back in 2005 with a group of priests and deacons, and into the room where he was living when he was shot. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just very, it was a very moving experience. You know, Paul talks about, uh, you know, we have to fill up in our own lives what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ, which sometimes people think, well, how is anything lacking in the sufferings of Christ? But the way that he has called each one of us to share in, 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 in revealing his love in the world, what was lacking was a man, a priest, physically to walk around that village in the 20th century and to embody the presence of Christ and to, in his living and in his dying. Uh, Bishop Greg Kelly here with uh, us on the Good News Show, uh, Auxiliary Bishop of the Diocese of Dallas. Uh, about six years now you've been the Auxiliary mm-hmm. Bishop, yes. right? And uh, we're talking about All Saints Day and All Souls Day we're going to touch on as well. You mentioned about the um, not getting, falling into the mistake of just assuming everybody that dies shoots to heaven and that we really need to con- continue to have concern for souls and because purgatory does exist. And uh, one of the other things that gets me is when people say somebody dies and they become an angel, you know, mm-hmm. which uh, I, I often tell people that's like saying I die and become a grasshopper. I mean, it's a whole different species altogether. We don't become angels when we die, do we? I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, I was thinking about purgatory growing up. It always seemed to me, you know, with the imagery that was used, that purgatory was just like hell, only you knew you were getting out. <laughs> so... If you know you're getting out, it's not like hell. Yeah. I mean, and the kind of suffering that is there, I think, is really the suffering of, of purifying love and uh, very different than, than the suffering of despair or violence or, you know, th- those kind of things. So I think that, uh, you know, that it really is the completing of the, of the redeeming work of Christ, um, you know, which sometimes is not complete in the world because of human sinfulness and because of the, 
sometimes the depths of that. Mm-hmm. Annette was telling me that at some of the schools in the Diocese of Dallas, and I'm sure perhaps in Fort Worth as well, that the, the, the children are, are dressing up as their favorite saint. And I think that's, uh, I assume school is in session today uh, for, for the yes. schools. Yeah, so, so I know some of those are going on today. Did you have a, a favorite saint or saints that you particularly have a, a great devotion to? Who are your favorites? In my family growing up, really the act of devotion was to Mary, to uh-huh. her, and under the title of Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Lourdes, my, both my parents had a very active uh, faith in Mary. You know, went all the way back to my mom's high school years in Iowa, and you know they had difficulty not conceiving children, but bringing them to birth. They they would be born premature, and they would be baptized, and they would die. So they would make novenas to to Mary, and that was just something that really captured my imagination, mm-hmm. you know, growing up that uh, just the, you know, who is this person? Who is yeah. this? And, uh, you know, something very beautiful. I didn't grow up with the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, but, you know, listening to the accounts of that story and just the, the you know, the serenity of that image of her face on the uh, on the uh, tilma, uh, there's just something very, very beautiful. And, and in some sense, it's it's written by God. It's not a human author even. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Monsignor Eduardo Chavez from Mexico City was giving a talk last week about that. And, and I mean, just a... There's just something awe-inspiring about that. We're coming up, you know, and uh, in fact, Bishop Burns called for a synod in the Diocese of Dallas, and we're coming up to, you know, the 500th anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady of Guadalupe at Tepeyac in Mexico. Yeah. And uh, Monsignor Chavez noted, too, at the time that she talks about herself as being the mother of all the people of the land, and that at that time there were no borders in the land, so it included everybody from the you know, the northern tip of North America to the southern tip of South America. And so, you know, that, that seemed like a vision that John Paul II had for the Americas also to be to be more united. Mm-hmm. Monsignor Chavez, by the way, came and visited our studio. Our friend Jerry Jacob you. with Legatus uh, brought yes. him here. And if you look just on the other side of the glass here, we've got a big image of Our, our Lady Guadalupe. Yes. And as he walked by, I said, oh, Monsignor, please stop. i got to take a picture, first of all. And he stood there, and he, he must have spent 45 minutes explaining parts of the tilma and of course he's written lots of books on this. He said this. he has 600 hours worth of talks on, uh, yeah. on the Our Lady of Guadalupe. And he was so generous with his time and he spent a lot, I got to go to lunch with him so mm-hmm. it was just such an honor to, especially since we're the Guadalupe Radio Network to speak to uh, Monsignor Chavez from Mexico City there. Uh, let, let's, okay, so this is All Saints Day and of course what we're celebrating today, let's talk about All Souls Day which uh, is tomorrow it might be the you know least well known of, of the, the, the three of course All Hallows Eve, All Saints Day and All Souls Day. Um, All Souls Day, is this a solemnity? It's, I don't, like we said before, not an obligation, but uh, as people prepare for tomorrow, what, what's what's uh, the meaning of this day? You know, I think probably it's more along the lines of All Ash Wednesday, where that's not a, that's not a holy day of obligation, although most people yeah. think it is, but there's something about the reality of thinking about our death, thinking about the need for conversion, that you know, it's called the commemoration of all the faithful departed, and we all know people who have died, and we all have suffered grief, and and so I think it's something that really captures people's people's hearts, mm-hmm. and you know, to to write the name in a book, or to remember the person, or to hear their name again, um, to remember the sorrow of losing them, and I think you know, to to and to pray for them, you know, that to be bound together in the body of Christ is not only to receive the intercession of the saints. You know who long for us to join them, 
uh, St. Bernard has a beautiful homily that he gives on All uh, Saints Day about how they long for us, and we are, we're indifferent to that. Mm-hmm. But um, we also have an obligation to pray for one another. And, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes you can think, well, what does that do? Uh, but to pray for another person is an expression of love, and love is what changes us. And somehow in the mystery of Christ, and as we are given to participate in the mystery of and the redeeming love of Christ, that's what changes us. And, you know, and that's what gives us hope. And I think it just, you know, sometimes people look at praying for the dead as somehow, you know, that that is a statement on the limitation of, of the love of Christ as opposed to saying, well, no, that's how he's chosen to redeem us, you know, through the instrumentality, through the agency of other people. And uh, he takes he takes seriously our, our, our decisions, our choices, even our sinful choices and the consequences of that. And I think, you know, purgatory... Um, and our belief in that is, 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 is the Lord taking seriously the, uh, the consequences of our sinful actions that are not all, you know, erased or overcome in this life. And that really bringing it really is more than anything else a statement of hope that, yeah. that these things will finally and definitively be overcome by the, by the healing and redeeming power of Christ. So I always, I always thought the poor souls in purgatory was I said, why are they poor souls? Because they have all the richness of having their salvation assured. Mm-hmm. You know, they're still waiting. There's still a, an agony, and a, but they don't live with the tension and the anxiety that people do living in the world where, you know, we don't know yet how it's going to all come out, and are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be able to, you know, to be faithful in the hour of, in the time of trial? And, and we don't know that. Yeah. There's a lot of mystery about it. Uh, I know St. Thomas Aquinas, who I have studied a lot of, uh, compared the fires of purgatory to the fires of hell, which, you know, like it's a really painful thing. And I, I know if nothing else, it's just that uh, the agony of uh, not yet. You know, you can perhaps have some vision of, of God, but then you're not there yet. And just that the pain of not yet being there, but also, as you mentioned, the hope of uh, that you will one day, unlike the the souls in hell who have you know have no hope at all. There was a time when the the church would would say you know you pray or you offer up a mass and the the, the soul in purgatory gets you know five years out of purgatory. Yeah, it's like, th- a, like thirty you're, days. It's like you're in jail and you get <laughs> yeah. you know, three hundred day lesson on your, right. your term. That's mm-hmm. not that's not really the, the practice these days. That it, it, we don't typically do it in those terms. Is that right? Well, it just seems like an overly mechanistic way of, yeah. of thinking about it. I mean, I think about it more in terms of, I mean, I always think of a family, say, that there, where there was, a, say, an alcoholic parent, and that, you know, for years, uh, you know, they tried to get him or her to change. You know, the whole family begins to kind of reorganize their lives around that. They, they kind of live with a distant father, distant husband, and uh, go about their lives. But if he all of a sudden has a conversion experience and goes to A and is all, you know, ready to just and genuinely converting, um, and they all are accepting of that and, you know, forgive him and welcome him and this is wonderful, there's still a lot of consequences to you know, painful consequences. How do we rebuild trust? How do we reorganize our lives around a father who wants to be in, involved in our lives with a husband who is, is present and active? And, and I mean, that takes a lot of, there's a lot of suffering in that. But for them to be faithful to that and, and not to let the suffering dominate is what ultimately brings them through. And, and to have a community of people maybe who are aware of this and who rejoice with them, who'd also surround them with their prayers and their support makes a huge difference in terms of in being, of being isolated, so I think it's kind of a kind of a naturalistic way of thinking about it. But I think that's what 
we're all bound together in the communion of saints and and uh you know it's it's purgatory i think is about suffering love yes. which i think there's you know within this life too i think there's a purifying you know fire that goes on as people you know deal with you know looking at their sins or the consequences of of weaknesses or illnesses that they begin to rethink their life and that suffering also purifies them and changes them and you know softens their heart um helps them to ask for forgiveness where they need to do that so i think it's not just a process that you know starts after this world but it's a I think any place where there's a conversion going on, there's a purgation going on. There's a, a freeing of the effects of sinfulness, which mm-hmm. sometimes run deep. And that life, that isn't completed in this life. Yes. And what about indulgences? Uh, I, I think there's a lot of confusion about indulgences. People think, oh, we don't do those any longer. That's what you know Martin Luther was protesting against back in the 16th century. But, of course, indulgences are very real and something that... Uh, 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 we should avail ourselves of. Can you uh, give a, a brief teaching on indulgences and perhaps how they'll be connected to uh, tomorrow for All Souls Day? What people should know about them? I mean, I think it's 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 saying, you know, there is a a measure of suffering. There's a measure of consequence to uh, temporal consequence to sin that has an effect that causes suffering in the lives of other people in the in, in the world and it's in a, in a sense acting on the, on behalf of another person to ask them to be free from that through the merits of Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And every now and then, you know, there's there's plenary indulgences, there's partial and the Holy Father, I think uh kind of has the, the treasury of graces as you could say at his disposal and uh, he is able to say, "Hey, if you you know, carry out this particular act of devotion. I think they're typically tied in with praying for the intentions of the Holy Father and going to confession and receiving mm-hmm. communion. There's a lot of you know, things that you have to do. But a my understanding is that a, a full indulgence, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, if if, if one receives a, a plenary indulgence, it's as if you were, were baptized, right? Where all the stain of original sin has been eliminated, and you're you're ready to go. Of, yeah, you're you're pure, pure as driven snow, right? <laughs> as they say. Pope Francis, at the end, towards the end of the Joy of the Gospel, paragraph two seventy eight, two seventy nine, you know, talks about you know that no act of love goes unnoticed, nothing is wasted. That you know these things encircle the world like a almost like a cloak and that uh, it may do good for somebody in another part of the world that we'll never visit. You know, our business really is to keep marching forward, to keep, you know, doing what the Lord asks us to do in this life as well as we can. Yes. And, uh, you know, trusting that he, you know, is, you know, that in his, he'll bring to that to perfection in his good time. Mm-hmm. I guess every parish in the Diocese of Dallas will be doing, well, I mean, doing, we'll have uh, the celebration of Mass tomorrow. Uh, is there anything in particular or any other events? I know sometimes people like to go visit cemeteries. Anything else that you would recommend uh, in particular that folks might be, uh, uh, would like to participate in tomorrow? You know, I think to visit, uh, to visit your local parish, if you're able to go for, you know, one of the scheduled Masses, I know one parish, Mary Immaculate, is having something in particular for all those who, for whom they celebrated a funeral this last year. And I think several parishes are doing that, you know, inviting people back. At all at St. Gabriel's, we used to, you know, invite people just to come up and at, uh, either before or after the mass and just say the names out loud, you mm-hmm. know, to, to, and to write it in a book. And you know, there's something about the the ritualization of that. It's like the that person is in some way present, and they are. You know, I always find so much hope in the prayers of the Eucharistic prayer 
because it's like the you know, uh, Eucharistic prayer number two says something like, remember those who have died in the peace of Christ um, and all those who died in your mercy, mm-hmm. you know, which seems to be to pick up the mystery of what about other people? What about those who seem to have no active faith? What's that seemed about, the, you know, those who are far away that uh, they still died in his mercy? Yeah. And, and for us to conclude them in our prayers and our love, because typically they are people who are much loved. And, you know, sometimes people agonize over their apparent lack of faith or whatever it is or, you know, the circumstances in which they died. But we have no, we have no judgment to make about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is the Lord's judgment. And for us to simply to commend them to his mercy, um, we don't have to make, you know, the, the church has canonized all kinds of people. You said 10,000. I didn't, didn't know the exact number. And there's the vast horde of people around the throne that uh, the uh, book of Revelation speaks about. But we don't have any decanonizations. We don't have any statements. Oh, yes, this person is definitely in hell. Mm-hmm. We know that. Um, we have no statement like that. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk uh, lately. I've heard chatter about Judas. You know, is Judas in hell? And I, I don't know the exact teaching on it. But like you say, we don't know. You know, if Hitler is in hell, or you know, you, you know, fill in the blank of you know some scoundrel from history. That's that's kind of God's business, isn't it? Yeah, Dante did a pretty good job of putting a lot of people there. But that's a that's a literary device. So, yeah. yeah, he sure did. Okay. Which which brings up a good question. We're just about out of time. Uh, bishop Greg Kelly, the auxiliary auxiliary bishop of the Diocese of Dallas, here in studio with me, and really appreciate uh, you spending some time with us here on All Saints Day. Uh, and any um, any other reading? Uh, I did an interview just recently with a uh, Danny Fitzpatrick, a gentleman who wrote a, a book about Dante's uh, Divine Comedy, that might be an interesting thing, tying into you know, All Saints and All Souls Day. It's a kind of a heavy read I, for some people, but anything else as far as authors or anything else that you've read that you might recommend? Um, you know, I found some of uh, Father Ronald Rollheiser's reflections on death, um, particularly on suicide, to be very helpful, very insightful. Because I think sometimes... You know, for those who die by suicide, people worry about them in yeah. particular. Um, and I think he has written some very beautiful things. Just put his name in the you know a search engine, and he's got about thirty years of columns on uh, on uh, you know just various subjects uh, you know that he's written on. But he always writes one you know a couple times on a year on death and on suicide. I found those to be very very helpful. That's that's what comes to mind. And I think also just to I think it's a good day to to make a list. I think it, you know it's good even if we don't go to church or you know have a way of writing them in a book at a church to make our own list that we have our own in a sense communion of saints and communion of people that we have uh, an obligation uh, out of love and an opportunity to pray for you know and and to pray for another person is an act of love to commend them to the Lord we depend on that so so deeply and I think at times we forget about that and in our culture which doesn't want to think about death at all mm-hmm. we just need to. To think about death, because uh, you know it helps us also keep our eyes on the on the on the prize. You know that to, to, you know to remember our destiny, which is to be among that vast crowd of of uh, people of every race, nation, and tongue around the throne of the Lamb. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. Good way yeah. to finish it. Uh, if you don't mind, can you provide a blessing for those who are listening here on All Saints Day? And you can help me. Eternal rest granted to them, O Lord, and let perpetual, perpetual light shine upon, upon them. May they rest in peace. And may their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. And may Almighty God bless all of you listening and all your loved ones in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. And I'd like to echo Dave's happy birthday to Annette Gonzalez-Taylor and also to Deacon Leo Cortinas, who's also celebrating his birthday on November 1st. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for the invitation to be with you today. The Diocese of Dallas Jail Ministry Prayer Team is looking for volunteers to join them in the Liturgy of the Word and Communion Prayer Service Team. The prayer team visits the Dallas County Detention Center in downtown Dallas two Saturdays a month. Both men and women are needed. For more information, contact Alfredo Ramirez at alfredo at stjosephcc.net or call 972-231-2951, extension 1080. That's 972-231-2951, extension 1080. Hello, my name is Esther Fernandez, a new sponsor at KATH 19AM and a realtor with JPN Associates. I'm a parishioner at Holy Spirit Parish in Duncanville and a longtime supporter and volunteer with the Guadalupe Radio Network. Are you ready to buy or sell your home? If so, you can reach me at 214-845-1753. That's 214-845-1753 or by email at estherzfernandez at gmail.com. That's E-S-T-H-E-R-Z Fernandez at gmail.com. St. Michael the Archangel Parish in McKinney will host a homeschool semi-formal winter dance on December 4th. The dance is from 7 to 11 p.m. Cost of admission is $30 per student with the deadline for registration and payment on November 20th. For detailed information on the dress code and general code of conduct, check out the parish website at stmichaelmckinney.org. Hi, I'm Martha Eberline. My husband Kyle and I are parishioners at Good Shepherd Catholic Community in Colleyville. As a mother, I know that it is important to have a professional caring dental team. At MidCities Dental, we provide dentistry with compassion in a warm and friendly environment. We are located in Hearst, 50 minutes from the DFW airport. We can be reached at midcitiesdental.com or 817-282-9321. That's 817-282-9321. Thank you. The Music Ministry of Holy Trinity Catholic Church in Dallas will present their 24th Annual Memorial Concert on Sunday, November 7th, beginning at 7 p.m. in the main church, located at 3811 Oak Lawn Avenue in Dallas. This year's concert will be Requiem by John Rudder. All KATH listeners are invited to attend. For more information on the Memorial Concert and Holy Trinity Catholic Church, visit their website, htccd.org. That's htccd.org. Or call them at 214 214- Did you know that the Knights of Columbus donated over $175 million to charity and volunteered over 75 million hours last year? They accomplished this with almost 2 million members. And with you joining the Knights of Columbus, we can give you an outlet to get involved. This is merely an opportunity, not an obligation, and your level of involvement will be completely up to you and your family. Join online today at www.knights.net. That's www.knights.net. All right, we are back, and this is the Good News Show. What a wonderful show we have today. Great to speak to Bishop uh, Greg Kelly and uh, about, gosh, All Saints Day and All Souls Day and All Hallows Eve and all that uh, we talked about the last 30 minutes. And we are moving on now to uh, not one, not two, but three in-studio guests here on All Saints Day and uh, delighted uh, and thankful to Annette Kearns over there at the CPLC Catholic Pro-Life Community 
for arranging this and sending me talking points and making it so easy on me. We're talking about the Christ Child Gift Market and Luncheon, which is going to be Saturday, November 20th. That is right around the corner, just a, a less than three weeks away. Uh, Renaissance Dallas Addison on Dallas Parkway. The gift market is from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. and free admission. Then there's a luncheon uh, that begins at 11.30 and tickets are $45 for individuals and you can also get a table of 10 for $420. Go to prolifedallas.org forward slash luncheon to get your tickets and I'll remind you about all of that information here uh, in a moment. Uh, okay, in studio we have Gerilyn um, Kaminsky, Executive Director of the CPLC and she sounds like this. Hi Gerilyn, how are you? Hi Dave, pleasure to be here, thank you. You were on recently, was it just a couple weeks ago it was is. it? Yeah. My so. car is driving itself here now and it's not even a smart car <laughs> <laughs> it just kind of knows where to go knows right where to go okay well thanks we is in uh, as i mentioned last time you also come in and volunteer for our share so we appreciate that very much meg finley development director hi meg hi it's nice to be back and uh father ross mower uh <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because and that uh, gave me the pronunciation of your loan I, I i already knew it it's pronounced like lawnmower right it uh, is so it people is. want to say mower or something like that, that that's right but uh I, I appreciate the reference to lawnmower <laughs> that works for me it's good <laughs> you to probably see you, had to explain that a time or two during your life uh, of course father uh, mower is pastor at saint elizabeth of hungry catholic church in south dallas in oak cliff and also chaplain at Bishop Dunn Catholic School in Dallas. And so uh, he's also from the Pope St. John the Twenty Third National Seminary in Weston, Massachusetts. In fact, I think we did a whole interview about that uh, one time before, about uh, your vocation and, quote, late vocation in life. And so th- thanks for being here. Father is going to be giving a reflection at the luncheon um, about uh, Advent. We'll, we'll kind of highlight that in just a moment. First off, though, let's talk about the event in general. This is the uh, Christ Child Gift Market and Luncheon. And, uh, Gerilyn, what's unique about it? I mean, this time of year, uh, more of these kind of events are popping up. In fact, we're probably promoting about five of them on the year. You know, the more the merrier. But this one is the one that I always think of first because you've been doing it for so many years and it's very unique. So tell us what is unique about this. Well, this is our 17th year and our founder, our event visionary, Joanne Murray, who is a great lover of life, uh, wanted to do something to promote Advent as a time of reflection, but to do something uh, for others as well. And so we reflect on the birth of uh the Christ child, the Son of God, and then we happen to bring in mothers that we serve as well to to pair those two together. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love this. It's uh, Annette says it's not just stuff at this market. So, uh, Meg, there's a, a lot of things that people can buy, of course, as far as gifts or decorations for their house or, or what have you. So what are some of the items and who is selling these? We are blessed to have small businesses, local businesses that come, and they are partnering with us. Uh, So you have an option to go shopping and get started on your holiday gifts um, early. But we also have an area of the market um, where so many items include things such as uh, baby items, wonderful Catholic books, um, and uh, baskets and things. It includes a silent auction. We've got some great items there, including a, a spa gift basket. Um, We've got a couple of wine baskets, if that's what's up your alley. 
beautiful jewelry, lots of great options in the auction. And then another part of the market is our cook snook. And this is probably one of the most popular areas. People come in knowing that they can get a sweet treat, that they can get their pies and their cakes and cookies ready for Thanksgiving. Or maybe they go home and uh, and they're, they're better than me and put them in the freezer <laughs> for Christmas. Uh, they tend to get eaten at my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But they are beautiful, wonderful, delicious things that you can take home. And in all of the proceeds from the market support uh, the ministries that Gerilyn, the you know, the moms that Gerilyn was talking about, um, and our beneficiaries. There's one other area, though, that a lot of people are not aware of that we put up for sale. We sell every centerpiece from the luncheon, and oh, you can okay. go into the luncheon room early, and you can purchase the uh, purchase those centerpieces. Just take the price tag and hang on to it, and then you pick it up after the luncheon. They are highly sought after. Every year, every single one is unique and handmade. And uh, you, you mentioned, Gerilyn, that this is the 17th year, and I know you have not been the executive director during all those still those years, but I imagine it continues to grow and grow. Uh, how how would, were you going in the early days, or what was it like? I'm sure it was much smaller. So It, what, what, it was, and the team of volunteers, I, I really have to thank the team of volunteers that Meg works with. Uh, we are blessed to have this phenomenal team. Each year, they tend to grow the market as well as the luncheon. So uh, they've done a great job spreading the word and inviting guests to come in and join mm-hmm. each year. Yeah. Now, vendors, I understand you still have space available for vendors. Are these people who want to sell things or just like somebody like us that want to promote Guadalupe Radio or all the above? Both. Okay. Um, we are going to have some of what we call our ministry, our partner ministry tables. Um, so organizations such as Guadalupe Radio Network can come and get out the message about who they are and how they're promoting life in their own ministries. And um, we're always excited to have those alongside us. Um, but we also have small businesses who come in to sell their own wares. We've had people who um, have homemade items. They could be uh, making cards or blankets, They uh, jewelry, rosaries. Uh, some of our local Catholic stores also come and have a booth with us. Uh, there's also a woman who has been with us in the past who brings in church antiquities, mm-hmm. and they're just beautiful and exquisite pieces, um, truly unique items that you're not going to find at the typical Santa Claus and snowmen Christmas market. This is very <laughs> different. I like that. Uh, Father Russ Moore, as I mentioned here as well, and uh, we'll start uh, transitioning into the luncheon. And, Father, you're going to be giving uh, a reflection about Advent, and I'm trying to think, uh, November 20th, it will not yet be Advent, but this will be kind of a preparation for Advent, right? Right, preparing to prepare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, you know, Advent is a time of preparation, and it's a time, you know, uh, where we think about welcoming the Christ child into our lives, but with with, uh, regard to the luncheon and and the, the ministry of CPLC, it's 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 about welcoming all children, not just mm-hmm. the Christ child, and and you know, uh, um, uh, the birth of a child is a is a profound and often disrupting event, and, mm-hmm. and um, so we we need to we need to talk about preparing for that, and and the difference that one child makes in in, in the life. Not just of the parents, but in the life of the world, and that's that's really what I want to uh, talk about at the at the luncheon is is um, uh, just sort of how each child is a gift, just like the, the the Christ child was a precious gift to all of us. Each child is a gift to to us, and we need to prepare, and we need to help 
others prepare uh, for for that. So, hopefully, my reflection will uh, will touch on those things and and. Uh, will be a little personal in nature as well. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, kind of built-in ways to, to celebrate Advent, like the Jesse tree. And I know we always had the little, you know, every day you get a piece of chocolate and then there's some little reflection. And also some people are, are surprised to hear that Advent is actually, a, a I guess, a, a penitential uh, season. You know, in the midst of the, the, the culture is not penitential. The culture is full-flung Christmas by this time. Uh, and I don't know if that's if you're going to touch on that in your talk, uh, but how do we find that balance? It, it's hard to find that balance. Um, it's it is a penitential time, not as profound as Lent. Yeah, but uh, we see in the church the church is darkened a little bit. We wear violet vestments uh, during during Advent, and um, it, it is a time of of reflection on on uh, on our lives, on what Christ means to us. Um, just just as in the first century the world needed a savior we still need him today mm-hmm. and we and and so we look at uh you know the readings during advent as being the the prophecies of the coming christ and um and 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 we watch the whole story of of um our blessed mother and and at a time when you would expect that she would be nesting and quieting and everything her her world gets turned upside down not mm-hmm. just because she's going to bear the savior but because she's forced to leave her home and go to bethlehem for the for the census and you know um um it's it's um losing sight of what is actually happening at christmas you know people think our world today is is, is horrible at that and, and try to keep, you know, you see signs, keep Christ in Christmas and everything. It was a challenge then, too. Mm-hmm. So, so, <laughs> so uh, yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same, right? I, I, I yeah. guess that's right. Uh, yeah. People right now are upset about uh, supply chain things, and they're like, what, there, there may not be Christmas this year. I'm like, there, <laughs> there's always Christmas. It might be better Yeah, this Yeah, year. exactly. I've heard people say, oh, that's kind of nice. If we don't have you know, all the, 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 the things that uh, we're used to during Christmas, maybe it'll make a, a better season altogether. Let's talk about the luncheon in general, now that we have a little preview of uh, Father Mower's uh, reflection on Advent. That's going to be a part of it. But, Gerilyn, uh, the luncheon is part of the overall uh, gift market, but separate at the same time. How does, that, how does it fit into the overall you know, day? Well, so we ask everyone to come all day and shop, as Meg has described. I'm, I'm already uh, tasting this, the Cook's Nook goodies, so thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> An apple some, pie, just you, for you, you, you guys brought some samples, I'm sure, right? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. We'll have them that day, Dave. <laughs> okay. Got to show up. But the, the luncheon really is inspiring, and it's about um, our Project Gabriel Moms. And these are women who uh, found themselves in pregnancy and chose life. And and we help provide resources to them. And they maintain um, studies and classes that we offer. And some of these women will be earning a scholarship. Mm-hmm. And so that it's a, it's a beautiful time to celebrate them. And then for the moms who are in the program but have not finished the scholarship uh, necessities, they'll be able to see what's happening for them next year. And so they'll come with their babies and uh, it will be lively. And, you know, I just wanted to reflect. I'm so excited that Father Russ is going to be with us uh, this year. But, you know, there's this United States Council of Catholic Bishops, this whole initiative of walking with moms in need. Mm-hmm. And every parish 
uh, in the Diocese of Dallas and every parish in the United States is walking with moms in need. And what that means is if a, if a woman is, is pregnant and needs something, she can go to her parish. There is a resource list for her. There might be diapers. Uh, they can come into our Project Gabriel program. And so all of us together in the diocese makes this happen for these women. And these will be some of the women that we celebrate there right. that day. Very nice. There, uh, Meg, you're the uh, development director, so I'll ask mm-hmm. you the money question. Is this, a, is this a fundraiser? I know there are beneficiaries other than the CPLC. Uh, obviously, people are buying stuff. There's some funds being raised. Well, how is it used? It is a fundraiser. Um, it is also a friendraiser. We're so excited about all the people who come out and support the ministries. And through their shopping, uh, through the gifts that they make uh, for ticket sales and also the ask that we do, we do have an ask during the luncheon, the money that are raised will go to support Project Gabriel as well as our local Catholic maternity homes. We have Bella House and Materfilius and the Missionaries of Charity who also who all will be receiving some of the benefits from the day. And we're so excited to be able to partner with them because as Father Russ said, um, you know, when Mary was expecting our Lord, her life was turned upside down, and she was, uh, he didn't get to this part, but she was turned away. She had no place to live. Mm-hmm. And so many of the women that we um, work with and that uh, we are blessed to to partner and walk with, as Gerilyn has said, um, they're also turned away. They're also turned out of their homes. And so we don't have those beds, but these other beautiful apostolates do have the places for these women to stay and to live during the time that they're awaiting the birth of their child. Yeah. Amen. We are talking about the Christ Child Gift Market and Luncheon, Saturday, November 20th, sponsored by the Catholic Pro-Life Community. It's going to be at the Renaissance Dallas Addison Hotel. The gift market is from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. with free admission. And uh, hopefully you'll go there and, and buy a lot of uh, great things for the uh, the holiday season. Uh, luncheon begins at 11.30. The speaker will be Father Russ Mower, who is in studio with us here, Father, the pastor of St. Elizabeth of Hungary Parish in Dallas. And we haven't mentioned your MC, Jennifer Ball. That, well, and you cool. might know Jennifer. <laughs> uh, yeah, that name sounds familiar. She, well, Of course, she has a segment uh, once a month. Uh, she hasn't been in recently. I know she has, has she had her second child, I think. Yes, she Yeah, did. she had her She's second child. very okay. busy. Just <laughs> but I think two boys, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very busy. So that that's great. That's going to be awesome to have so, first. So Jennifer, of course, is with Young Catholic Professionals. And uh, I think it was after our segment I was on last time. Yeah. They were in studio here, and they are growing their organization. Right. And what a blessing it is to have Young Catholic Professionals all throughout the United States coming together to serve and to grow in their faith and to do some career networking. So we're very pleased to have her. And there's going to be a raffle. Uh, and uh, wow, like a, a grand prize of a lake house getaway trip for six, a Marian shrine, a seven piece nativity, and a vintage quilt. So, uh, uh, Meg, tell us about that. <laughs> These are four absolutely beautiful and, and wonderful gifts. The lake house um, is nearby, um, just outside of Tyler, and a, a wonderful opportunity for a family to to have a weekend or you know, a couple of days to get away. Um, the Marian Shrine is beautiful. It can be in your home um, just to really expand on your time of preparation and reflection, whether it be during this season of Advent or throughout the year, of course. Having just finished the month of the rosary, I, you know, blessed to think about having a Marian shrine in our home. I, too bad I can't be one of the winners. I'm not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the nativity is a beautiful pewter-looked nativity, 17 inches tall. It's just gorgeous. And the, and the quilt 
Um, this is handmade by one of our local parishes. They have a sewing guild, and they have um, found they found a vintage quilt top that had never been finished, and they have taken the time this year to finish it for us. So it's an oversized twin bed size quilt, and it's just exquisite. So um, there's a little something for everyone. The tickets are, are range from ten dollars for a single chance $30 for four and $50 for eight so Mm -hmm. you can if you cannot come to the luncheon or come to the market for some reason you still have the opportunity to win one of these beautiful prizes so you can visit that website Dave's mentioned it at prolifedallas.org slash luncheon and there is a link to the tickets buy them online and your chance will be put right into that drum for you to be one of the winners yeah father uh, Russ Moore here as I mentioned uh, you know we're talking about the season of advent and how it's you know it's a time of joy but also time of penance and as we talk about and whenever i i speak to the wonderful folks of the cplc the issue itself is is, is bittersweet because uh, we celebrate life but we also have to realize that uh, we have a big problem in this country uh, with abortion and uh, millions of ch- children being killed and so from a pastoral standpoint and the the, the kind of the parish level like general Geraldine was talking about how do you try to cultivate that, uh, you know, that appreciation for life, the celebration of life, but also an awareness that uh, you know things are a little awry with life issues in our country? Well, th- things are awry, and, and uh, there, I'm sure there'll be news on the national news tonight because the the Texas heartbeat bill is being heard today. Yeah, our arguments are being heard today in the Supreme Court. At the parish level, we try to make sure that everybody in need, everybody who is experiencing a crisis pregnancy, or for that matter, a non-crisis pregnancy, a planned pregnancy, has has the help that they need, and and um, we have we do that through um, uh, through the White Rose Center and and through other CPLC resources. Um, we have a we have a monthly pro-life mass the first saturday of every month and in in that mass we we do collections uh to to support the various um agencies uh around the area and uh also just right on the edge of our parish boundaries we have a planned parenthood clinic and we spend time in prayer there uh we uh go there and, and support the sidewalk counselors that are there from time to time we try to heighten the awareness that, uh, especially in our parish, it's like this isn't a problem that's happening someplace else. This isn't a problem in in another part of Texas or another part of country of the country. This is something that's going on in our in our own backyard. And um, so uh, we also uh, instill a pro life um, uh, attitude. In our schools, at at, at uh, Saint Elizabeth School, at Bishop Dunn School, and and uh, the schools get involved in activities like the the March for Life or uh, Walk for Life with the school kids, uh, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so we just try to heighten heighten the awareness. We also try to make it a welcoming place for people who have experienced abortion or who have experienced the, the you know have been impacted. In their family or personally uh, th- through through an abortion, and we try to make it a welcoming place, not judgmental, um, um, and uh, make sure that those folks are getting the help, the support 
that they need and an opportunity to talk if that's what if that with us or with a professional counselor if that's what they need yeah very nice thank you father we just have a few minutes remaining want to just recap and invite people to get tickets uh and uh, i have in studio with me meg finley development director Geraldine kaminsky executive director of the catholic pro-life community uh prolifedallas.org is their website and also father russ mower uh pastor of saint elizabeth of hungary so let me just turn it over to the two of you now and just uh, lay out the case. Uh, everybody listening right now needs to go, men and women. You can come as a couple. Is it, uh, what would you say, Gerilyn? And, and, and maybe remind everybody about the ticket prices for the luncheon as well. Yes. Uh, well, we do invite everybody to go. And this is a Saturday before Thanksgiving. And so children are out of school starting that week. Yeah. Really, it's a great way to begin that week of thanks, begin the week of preparation for for Advent as well. Um, we have the raffle tickets. Uh, we have the tickets for the tables, um, $45 individual tickets. Come with your friends. They'll buy, buy an entire table for $420. We'd love to see our old friends there and our new friends as well. Mm-hmm. You know, life is, uh, is critical, and yeah. there's a lot of news about life, and this is a way that people can come right now in November and promote life. Yeah, very good. And uh, Meg, I'll give you the last word here. Uh, this is a fundraiser. People need to come out and open up their wallets and support. Uh, they're getting some great things, but they're also uh, supporting uh, the, 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 the mission of life. They certainly are. And we're so grateful for everyone who has come in the past. And as Geraldine said, our old friends, our new friends, um, we are looking forward to having everyone back with us and to celebrate these moms, to celebrate life, uh, to celebrate and, and look forward to this at time of preparation to hear Father Russ and his reflection. Um, this is not just for the adults. Please bring your children. Please, this is an open and family event. And so it's been wonderful to see so many um, moms and their daughters, fathers and their sons who have come and supported us throughout the year. So come and join us. Give us a call in the office at 972-267-LIFE or visit the website at prolifedallas.org slash luncheon and you can purchase your tickets directly there. We'd All love right. to help you out. Very good. Thanks to all of you. Father, nice to see you. Good and, to see you, Dave. Uh, but I'd like to do an interview just about Bishop Lynch, and because uh, I think that... Or, uh, or Bishop Dunn, if you prefer. Bishop Lynch or Bishop Dunn or both? Bishop Dunn. Oh, Bishop Dunn. Dunn. Have I been saying Bishop Lynch? Okay. No, just, just the last time. Oh, okay. All right. Bishop Dunn. I, I used to teach a Bishop Dunn. I should know this. Okay, Bishop Dunn, because that's right. Right. Uh, we used to walk over to St. Uh, Elizabeth the We Hungary. still do that. Uh, they still we'll, do that. We're doing that on Wednesday. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here, and uh, Meg and Geraldine as well. Diane, thank you for running the board coming in on your off day. And uh, want to just uh, repeat the uh, most important information, Christ Child Gift Market and Luncheon, Saturday, November 20th, which I think is two weeks from this Saturday. So you still have plenty of time. Uh, so, yeah, it's about uh, uh, just a, a few weeks away. Renaissance Dallas Addison on the Dallas Parkway. Gift Market is free admission, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. The luncheon will begin at 11.30. Jen Ball will be the MC. Father Mower will give a reflection on Advent. Tickets are $45 per person or $420 for a table of 10. You get a little savings there. And uh, go to prolifedallas.org forward slash luncheon or call 972-267-LIFE. All right. Have a great rest of your All Saints Day. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for the Good News Show here on KATH 910 AM on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Please join us next week at the same time for the next Good News Show.
KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. This is in regards to the education in the faith. One really fun way of doing this is to take a Catholic calendar and at the beginning of each month, choose a day to celebrate, either a saint's day or a feast day. For instance, on December 12th, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, spread a serape across the table, have a Mexican food feast and put on the mariachi music. Place a statue or a picture of Our Lady of Guadalupe in the middle of the table. Tell the kids who she is and why you're celebrating. Do this every month with a different saint or feast day and imagine how much of the faith that you will learn together while you have fun as a Catholic family. This has been a Minute for Your Marriage and Family from the Three Hearts Institute. You can find us at threeheartsinstitute.org.